Okay, so some of you are taking notes while looking at the worship video, right? Yeah, I'm, I know who some of the dancers are in this room. You are not dancing this morning, but I know who you are. Uh, I'm going to read in a few moments from Matthew chapter 15. If you want to follow along in the Bible, you're welcome to do that with me. Uh, we are going to be thinking about worship. Jesus is talking about a kind of worship in this scripture. And uh, I think the, the first thing I want to do is just remind you of where we are. This is a series that we're going to walk through. I think I've got a slide on this, Ross, of, um, of where we are and what we're doing. Last week, what would Jesus undo? Like he does all kinds of things in our lives, but what would he undo in our lives? So what would he, what would he take away? What would he change? What would he remove in order to build something new in us? And the first week we looked at it, it was indifference, spiritual indifference. And then today we're going to talk about worship, and specifically we're going to talk about hollow worship. We're going to talk about how Jesus would undo in us going through the motions, just doing those things that we do, and we really don't, we don't mean it. That's what it comes down to. We, just, we don't attach real meaning to it. It's not worship to us. It's just doing, it's like you saw in the video. You see people raising their hands, you raise your hands. You see people clap, you clap. Uh, they do a certain thing, you do a certain thing. And it doesn't have real meaning to you. It's just hollow in worship. Next week when you come back, we'll look at the third part of it, which will be hypocrisy. I think I got a slide on that. No? That may be it. Those people, they're not into me, no, so I'm going to just tell you. Third week is hypocrisy. And uh, I said this last week, so let me remind you again this week. Everyone in this room is a hypocrite. Yay, be happy. We're all hypocrites. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I just mean none of us live up to the standard of what we know we should be. We all come up short of that. So there is some level of hypocrisy in all of our lives. But there's just a difference between when you're trying to do your best and you come up you know, hypocritical and when you try to do it on purpose. That's the difference. And so we'll talk about that next week. And then the fourth week, we'll be talking about pride. And we sometimes call pride the original sin. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll find out it was the original sin. But it is, it is something every single person struggles with. Pride is that basic idea, I know better than God. I know you said this, and I know, God, you want me to do it this way, but you know what? I know a better way, and I want to do it my way. That's pride at its essence. And so we'll be looking at those things together. But today it's worship. So let me kind of get you thinking about worship as a gift. Now, when, when my children were younger, uh, they'll tell you this. If, if they're here one day and you want to ask them, just, just ask them to tell you about how Dad wraps gifts. Okay, just, just get them to tell you about that. So one year, I took a bucket you know like a, a paint but big bucket you know with the handle you know that you carry around and I wrapped the bucket except for the handle you know it's just a bucket wrapped up with a handle sticking out of the top and I put it at the Christmas tree and I told uh, my son I said like this is this is your gift you know and he's looking at it like dad this is this wrapped in newspaper it's a bucket and it's got a handle sticking out I know what it is and I said, no, no, it's just more than that. I'll give you a hint next week. So next week, I write on it, rhymes with Puckett. That's what I write on. That's my hint. My, my son's looking at me like, 
that. <laughs> That's a terrible hint. I have no idea what you're talking about. But this was my way of just kind of building up the anticipation for the gift. And so on the day that he actually, you know, we opened those gifts before Christmas because we travel um, at Christmas. But right before Christmas, we opened that thing up and he tears through that newspaper. And wouldn't you have loved it if he opened it up and there was nothing in there? Like it was just a bucket. Wouldn't that be great? Okay, I couldn't do that to him. I could not do that to him. But that was the fun part of it. Now, it, it would have been something if he had opened it up and he looks in there and there's nothing but air. Nothing but air. It's just, it was a promise, but it didn't deliver. There was no, nothing really to the gift. Uh, you want to know what was in there? It was a basketball. That's all. It was, it was a basketball. It was just one of his gifts. Um, I don't think he was that impressed with the basketball either, to tell you the truth, or the bucket. But it would have been great if I'd left it empty. So this is what I'm thinking of. Think, of. think of worship like a gift. You know, God loves you, and He gave you the greatest gift. He sent you His Son. That's why Jesus came to the earth. That's why He lived. That's why He died on the cross. And that's why on the third day He rose from the dead. He is God's greatest gift to you. And when you come to know Him... You respond in love, and part of love is worship. And worship that has no meaning, worship that's just going through the motions, that's, that's a gift with nothing inside. That's a bucket with nothing but air. It's a promise of something, but it really, it's, it's I'm going to do this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to show up, I'm going to sing, but in my heart, I'm just not with you. I'm just not there. That's empty worship. That's hollow worship. And it's one of the things that can be so crucial to us as a church. It can be so crucial to you as a person, but it can be for us as a church. Because you have to learn to worship as an individual. Okay? You've got to learn to do that. And you say, well, I don't really know. I'm not sure about that. We're going to talk about it today. Okay? But it's more than that. We have to learn to worship together as a group. And, and that's not just the songs we sing. It's everything. And so we're going to work on those things today. So what would Jesus undo? I think there's a slide on this one, Ross. What, what would Jesus undo? He would undo hollow worship. Let me read from Matthew 15. I'm going to read you the first nine verses. So this is Jesus going back and forth with a group known as the Pharisees and the scribes. In other words, Jesus had this um, ongoing running argument with spiritual leaders. That, that's what was going on. So then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread? And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He answered a question with a question. For God says, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. That's a quote from the Old Testament. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Would you join me for prayer? Father in heaven, thank you again for your word. And thank you for the things that it would teach us today about not simply going through emotion or doing something because it's a tradition, but actually having a heart that's in it. Father, teach us. Show us your way. Teach us to worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So these Pharisees, and the scribes too, but the Pharisees in particular, they were obsessed with, I guess what we would call ceremonial cleanliness. Like they had to be ceremonially clean. And if you read through the Old Testament, you read the law, you'll see all these things that can happen to make a person unclean. And so they were just, you know, again, obsessed with it, focused on it. They had to be clean all the time. To be unclean was not a good thing in any way. And so to be eligible to worship and to worship right, you had to be ceremonially clean. And that's what they're talking to Jesus about. They're saying, we do these things. Everybody else does it. But why don't your disciples do it? Really, they're saying, why don't you do it? And what kind of leader are you if your people don't do these things? That's what they're safe. So again, clean and unclean. I, I, I can't really do this with my hands and hold the mic, but this is how it would work. If you touched anything that was unclean, you become unclean. It's kind of the way we think of germs today, right? All right. So if, you, if, if a mouse touched the cup and you touched the cup, now you're unclean because the mouse was unclean. So now the mouse touched the cup, you touched the cup, then you touched me. Now I'm unclean. And I got to go through a process. I got to go through a ceremony to be clean. And it was so weird. They had something uh, known as a log. Uh, it was basically an eggshell and a half full of water. I know that's the way they measure things. Eggshell and a half full of water. And they had to do their hands like this. And then somebody had to pour the eggshell and a half of water on their hands. But the water could only run down their hands and off their wrist. If it went down their arm, the arm would be unclean. They could only run down their wrist. Can you see how aggravating this would be? Can you see how people that believe this is the way you got to do it every single time? This is our tradition. If you don't do this, you're actually unclean. Can you see how they would look around like you could tell? You knew if somebody did this or not, right? You would know. And that's, that's not in the Bible, like that pr process, that procedure. That's not in the law, okay? But they had come up with a way to fulfill the law that was their tradition. And basically, if you didn't do that, you weren't doing it right. And what Jesus did was he took that and he turned it into something completely different. He said to them, it's not about that. It's about what's in your heart and how you treat people. Because they're talking about washing your hands and Jesus brings up something about how you treat your parents. It's how you treat people. Because if you wash your hands the right way but you treat people the wrong way, well, you're already off the mark. That's the difference in worship. It always comes from the heart. So again, obsessing over those things. What would Jesus undo? He was trying to do it in his day with the Pharisees. He does it with us even now. He wants to undo this going through the motions, keeping the traditions, doing things just like they've always been done, and not having your heart truly in it. Remember we talked about this like the first couple of weeks when we got together and began worshiping as a group? He said, we don't have to do anything just because we've done it that way before, right? We don't have to. There are no traditions. There are no patterns. We, we can follow wherever Jesus leads. Wherever he steps, we step. We don't have to do one thing the same way just because we've done it that way before. And, and that's at the heart of worship. Worship is about the heart and turning to God and not just going through the motions. So you know, people get confused about it. They, they get you know, confused about style of worship or, or the environment of worship. One of the things I like about the time that we've been here at the Harris Center is that it's going to ingrain in our minds that worship is not about a space. Does that make sense? Uh, Y'all remember Scott and Cheryl sitting on the front and Scott was talking about a pew? 
Now, he didn't have a pew before, right? But, but he was thinking about these chairs and not having a pew, and Cheryl went and found him a pew and brought it home. Y'all know that? It's on their back porch. I just thought that was hilarious. She sent me a picture of this pew and said, I got this for Scott. He wanted a pew. They're not here today, and I'm talking about them. So if they listen to this online, y'all just know that I'm in it in love, right? They'll be back. They had to go to a wedding today. Uh, but again, it's a tradition. It's what you get used to. But it had, the space has nothing to do with the worship. It's where two or three are gathered together in His name. There I am. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church in South Alabama. It was as traditional as you can imagine. Okay, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying that's what it was. Across the street, across the highway from the home I grew up in, they built an Assembly of God church. Some of you have been to one of these? Love Assembly of God churches, right? First time I go over there for a service, they're having something special, and I go over to the Assembly of God church, and they're doing music way different than the way you know we did it in the Baptist church. And over here to my right, right on the end, there's a lady with a, a stick with a ribbon on it, and she's just going to town with these ribbons, you know? Ribbon lady, that's what I called her. And over here on my left, there's a tambourine lady. Nobody else has a tambourine, just her. So tambourine's over here, ribbon's over here. The music's all different, and I'm like, this is not Baptist. Right? This is not Baptist. But which one's right and which one's wrong? You know the answer is neither, right? There's not, there's not a, it's not wrong to sing a hymn. It's not wrong to, to, to be quiet and reverent in worship. But it's also not wrong to have tambourine lady. It's okay. And if any of you have been tambourine lady before, I don't mean that bad in any way. You know? I, I, it's just not me. I don't have enough rhythm to keep the tambourine. But tambourines are fine. Uh, Years later, I went to India and went out to some of the villages. There's no electricity. So the only instrument they had, really instruments, the voice and drums. And when I say drums, I mean like a single drum, like one drum, not, not a set of drums. And so typically what would happen when we got ready to have a Christian worship service is someone would stand up, usually one of the pastors, but it didn't have to be the pastor. Somebody would stand up. They would sing using nothing but their voice, a cappella. They would just sing what, what I thought of was like one verse or something. I couldn't understand it. It was all Telugu. So they sang with their voice. And then whatever they sang, whoever was the drummer, just started playing with it. And then everybody, when the drums started, everybody started singing. And the song might go two minutes, ten minutes. You just never knew. When, I couldn't understand the words. I had no idea when it was going to end. But what I did know was when people were worshiping or not. So again, hymn books or tambourines or nothing but voices and drums. I mean, there, there's not a wrong way to worship. So when my, my children want me to know or want to communicate to me that they love me, all right, they all do it differently, you know, every single one. So, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's time. Dad, let's go do this. You know, so it's time together. Uh, for another child, it's, it's gift. You know, look what I made for you or look what I got for you or something like that. That's how they, they show me that they love me. Or, or another one is like, you know, I hate all my siblings. Can we just do something you and me? You know, so the exclusive time. And, and so every, every, every child has a different way of communicating that they love you. And, and there's not a wrong way, right? There's not a wrong way. And, and that's what I'm trying to say to you today. That God is our Father. And He loves us and He knows you and you are His child. And, and in a unique way, you can show Him, you love Him in the way that you worship. And that's why I would say, have you ever heard of um, auditing a class? you ever audited a class? Like if you go to a, um, 
like a college class, you don't want to take it for credit, so you just audit that thing. And, and that means you basically sign up, and you get to go to the class, and you can buy the books, and you get all the teaching or whatever, you just get no credit. No, why would people do that, right? But people do. So you just sit there, and so if you don't want to take notes, you don't have to. You're auditing the class. You can just sit there. Everyone else is taking notes, and they're recording things, and they're going to get ready for the test, and you're just sitting over there like, I'm just here for the fun. I'm just listening to see if there's something I like. And you audit it. And so I think of that sometimes, Justin, with the people auditing. Like they come into worship and they just, they just audit the worship. You know, I'm here, but I'm not getting credit for this. And so I'm just going to sit here and see if something happens I like. And they audit worship. They just opt out. They're, they're not participating. And when you do that, that's hollow worship. When you do that, that's, that's not being able to communicate to your Heavenly Father that you love Him. And that's what we're trying to talk about today. That's what Jesus was talking about, going through the motions and not doing those things. So again, I think there's a slide on this. Worship isn't the style of music. It is the condition of your heart. I got ahead of it, didn't I? If you look at it another way, Christianity is not a hobby. This is not something we do when we feel like it. It's not something we do when, when, you know, everything else, we're just kind of bored, you know, I don't have anything else going on today. So, again, Christianity is not a hobby. It's not just an interest. It's, it's not a part of our lives. It is what the New Testament teaches. Christ is our life. And if you want to know the difference between someone who is truly a believer and someone who's just casually interested in the church or in Jesus, that's it. it. For some people, Jesus is just like a hobby. You know, he's there. You can take him or leave him. And for other people, Christ is their life. He's it. Their life centers on him. And again, worship isn't limited to the songs we sing. Because that's what people like to think about. That's, when they think of worship, they think of music. But it's not limited to the songs we sing. It is the life that we live. Now, how do we express our worship? I want to walk you through a few of these today. If you want to write them down, these are great. But how do we express it? How, does it? how does it come out of us? And the first one is, sometimes we bow in worship. And the scripture I want to give you for that, I think there's a, a slide on this, is Psalm 95. Come and let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So sometimes we, we literally kneel. Uh, I was talking about this the other day. Michelle was there. It was New Year's Eve, 1985. 1985. We were at Way Floyd. You saw the pictures of Way Floyd today. We were in this big red lodge, and we were there with our student group. 1985, and uh, it was about to be the new year. And so this is what we did our student leader asked everyone to just bow, to kneel. And then while everybody was kneeling and their heads were bowed, I assume their eyes were closed, my eyes were closed, I couldn't see. They played um, an audio recording of what it might have been like to be there for the crucifixion. So you could hear, you know, the nails. You could hear the words of the soldiers as they did those things and, and there was just it was just the sound of it so if you were kneeling and you were thinking about it and you were listening you know for a moment you could you could be there that's what it was like and I think it was Michelle's sister Cindy was the first one I heard somebody started crying and I just think it was Cindy that I could be wrong but I think it was her somebody started crying and all I can tell you is that in the next few moments it just kind of swept over the whole room it was, it was as if 
God's Spirit just kind of took over. And everybody in the room was kneeling before God. And it was just one of those moments that, that you don't have words for all the time. And Michelle and I were talking about this on the way here this morning, that when, when things happen to you like that, no matter what your age, they change you forever. They change your life. You know, I'm 48 years old. I'm standing here telling you about something that happened in 1985 because it impacted me that much. And sometimes when we worship, we just have to kneel. And you say, well, I'm not going to do it in here. You know, the floor is hard or dirty or whatever. I get that. But somewhere, at some time, when you're at home, when you're in your bedroom, wherever, I mean, just, just kneel before God because there are times when worship, that's the way to do it. We bow. Here's the second one. Sometimes we lift our hands. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you were doing it today. I was looking. I was watching because I knew we were going to talk about it. People were lifting their hands in worship. And the scripture is Psalm 63. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, when we lift our hands, uh, just don't fake it. You know, that's what I would say. I've never been one, again, I grew up, you know, in a very traditional Baptist church. People didn't lift their hands and worship very often. And so, you know, I kind of come from that side of it. So if, I, if you see me lifting my hands in worship, it's not because I just think it's the thing to do. It's not. I probably feel awkward about it. I'm just doing that because, because I think I need to right then. And I know some of you do that, and I see you doing that in worship, and the Scripture speaks of it. So it's not a weird thing. It's a Bible thing. It's, it's the Apostle Paul talking about these things. So we just, don't, we just don't fake it in any way. Let me give you the third one. Funnest one of the day. Sometimes we dance. Y'all are looking at me like, no way. <laughs> I'm married to the dancer, okay? I'm not the dancer. I'm married to her. But sometimes we dance. And the scripture, it says it, Psalm 149. Let them praise his name with dancing. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that you have to dance. Because, <laughs> you know, it's not for me. But it is a way of worship. That's what it is. It is a way of worship. Now, you know I'm married to a dancer, right? She dances all the time. And I love her for it. We can be in Lowe's. She's heard me tell this. We can be in Lowe's and they're playing that background music and she just starts dancing. And I look at her like, you know you're dancing, right? And she'll look at me like, yeah. <laughs> and how long have you known me? <laughs> you know, of course I'm dancing. And so she just, and so when, we, when we're worshiping, sometimes you see her up front and I see her like today, she's standing in the back. I mean, she can't be still during worship. I don't know how hard it was for her to be Baptist growing up. You know, how, how did she do that? But she's just naturally a dancer. And so when she, when she worships, she's just going to dance. That's just part of it. And, and I'm trying to tell all of you, you know, if, that's, if, if movement and dance is part of what you do when you worship, please don't think or feel that, that you shouldn't do that. I want you to know it's okay and it's in the Scripture. And so, you know, don't get weird on us, but just do what's real and do what's genuine. Dancing's part of it. Now, I know you already do this. You already do it in some ways. Like, you've seen people get a new phone and they do their happy dance? You've seen that? Or, you know, you, you, you know Justin, tell me about the, the teenagers. You know, somebody got asked for the date and they're just, like, spinning around and moving and doing that dance thing. Or, or your team wins. Do you not dance when your team wins? Um, did y'all know my team won the national title last year? Thank you. Okay, everybody else is like, what? We don't care. 
it, you didn't watch the game. You know, if you're a Florida State fan, Florida fan, whatever, you probably didn't watch the game unless you're just like a really big football fan. I tried my best to get Justin to my house to watch this game and Ross. I tried my best to get them to the house to watch this game, and they both found reasons not to come to my house. One of the best football games we've ever seen. Okay, they're shaking their heads. No, they're not in on that. Okay, it was. It was an excellent game. And it was, and, and part of it was the way it happened, but also because it was for the national title. But, but here's what I want you to know. I sat in my chair for the whole game. Like, I sat in my chair watching because my team was losing the whole game. And I was getting text messages from people like Justin. I was getting messages from people like him. And they were telling me how my team was going to lose and all that kind of thing. And we were just kind of having fun with that. And I sat there because... You know, again, my team was losing. It was like, i got to get ready for this. We're going to probably lose this game. And, uh, and right at the end, you know, at the halftime, they changed quarterbacks and everything changed. And the kid's name is Tua. Remember him. The kid's name is Tua. They bring Tua in. All of a sudden, the team starts doing good. They managed to tie the game, get the ball back, and with three seconds have a chance to kick the field goal and win. Now, if you know anything about Alabama, you know it's not an Alabama game unless you miss a field goal, Right? So it's just like everybody is a true Alabama fan. They're just like, three seconds, we got to kick a field goal to win. Overtime, here we come. <laughs> sure enough, he kicks the ball. It's terrible. He didn't just miss. Like, he kicked it over to the cart guy selling you know, popcorn or something. He missed it terrible. So the game gets into overtime. First thing Georgia does is kick a field goal. So they got the lead in overtime. Alabama gets the ball back. First play, the guy gets sacked for a huge loss. It's second down and 26. Now, understand, at the beginning of overtime, I had my victory tweets and texts ready to go. Like, I had my phone out. Overtime, we're going to win this thing. I got it all ready to go. And as soon as we win, I'm sending this to Justin and everybody else has been harassing me all night. And then second and 26 in overtime. There's nobody in my house sitting down, Right? The whole overtime, we've all been standing. My daughter, who had, who had been on the floor crying earlier because the game was so bad, she's standing up. Everybody's standing up. And it's second and 26, and we're all just standing there like, what is about to happen? And I don't know. They just snapped the ball. They didn't wait for the rest of us to get ready. They just snapped the ball. The kid dropped back. He stepped up. He threw a pass, and boom, touchdown, game over. There were people dancing all over my house. Like they were screaming and jumping around, you know. I was trying to send my text and tweets, and none of them replied, by the way. None of them replied. I don't think you saw it till the next day, right? He woke up yeah, the next day and saw it. But, but, you know, your team wins. I know you know how to dance. I know you know how to celebrate and be excited when something good happens. And, and somehow for so many people, they can do that in public. They can do that at a football game or some other sporting event or anything great. But when it comes to worship, all of a sudden they're just... The greatest thing we will ever celebrate is our God and what He's done for us. It's bigger than winning any game. It's bigger than getting any gift. It's bigger than any of these other things that we celebrate in life. The greatest thing that, that could ever happen to us comes through Jesus Christ. And that's worth celebrating. And sometimes you might need to dance. Scripture says it's alright. Alright, let me keep going. Sometimes we worship with a sacrifice of praise. And the scripture I want to give you with that is Hebrews 13, 15 that says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Now, why is it a sacrifice? I mean, it wouldn't be a sacrifice if it didn't cost me something. Like, it's not a sacrifice if it's easy. It's not a sacrifice 
And, this, and David said this, I'm not going to give to God what costs me nothing. Why would I give to God what costs me nothing? It's, it's, it's not a sacrifice if it doesn't cost me something. And so sometimes what that means for us is a sacrifice of praise means I'm going to offer praise to God when I don't feel it. I'm going to offer praise to God when things are not so good today. I'm going to offer praise to God because, you know, while I'm not having the best day and this is not the best time, I know He's still good, He still loves me, and I'm going to offer Him the best praise that I possibly can. That's a sacrifice of praise. It is so much like love. Does that make sense? So this summer I'll be married 29 years. Yay! 29 years. You can clap. I don't mind. Okay? She deserves it. Like, clap. <laughs> 29 years. Okay? Did I ever tell you when I fell in love with her? Did I tell you all that story? Let me give you the short version, okay? I'm 15. 15 is a great time to fall in love, by the way, because you don't have any sense, like none. <laughs> so 15 is a great time to fall in love. And so um, I was already kind of interested in her, and, and we were at a church thing, and there was softball going on, and she was sitting on a blanket, like down the third baseline. And we were at this thing. And so I'm over behind the, the dugout, you know, trying for her not to see that I'm looking at her, you know? <laughs> so, you're 15, you do this. And so I'm just staring at her, hoping she doesn't see me. And she's brushing her hair. She got long hair. It's, it was darker than it is now. She's brushing her hair. And she's, you know, I was thinking, and she does that girl thing where they flip their hair. I don't know how to do it. Yeah, just like that. Thank you. That's what she did. And so she flips her hair and she looks right in my direction. And, and she just like, she caught me looking at her. <laughs> this was the problem. I could not look away. Like, that was the problem. Like, I was supposed to look away. I knew I was supposed to look away, but I could not do it. So I just kept looking, and I was just like, that was the moment. That's when I fell in love. That's when I felt something, you know? So she was still way over there, but I was like, woo, this is the greatest girl I have ever met. And I, that, that's how I felt. Now, all you people that have been married a while, you know you can't live like that forever, Right? It's too intense. Like you don't eat, you don't sleep, you know, you don't, you just, everything's about that person. That's what it, that's what it is to, to feel like you're in love, but you, you can't stay that way. It goes away. And for some people, it's so disappointing when it disappears. You're like, oh, is it over? Is this, is this all there is to it? But the good news is it comes back over and over and over again. So I tell people, you know, I love my wife, but I've been in love with her many, many times over those years, you know, and, and there'll be times when I'm sure she looks at me like, why, are you still here? <laughs> you know, you're still hanging out here and, and you just don't feel it right then, you know, and that's okay because the feeling of love comes and goes. Real love's a choice. Real love's a choice. And that's what I'm trying to say to you about worship. You say you love God. There will be times when you feel it. I mean, you'll feel it to the core of your being. The easiest thing for you to do in that moment is to sing a song to Him or to talk to Him or raise your hands or dance or whatever you're going to do. It's just the easiest thing to do in that moment because you love Him and you feel that love. But I'm telling you, it doesn't stay that way. We people, we're not capable of holding on to that. And there will be another day when you don't feel anything. Like you don't feel one thing. You don't, you don't have any experience like, God, are you even there? Because I don't even know. That, that's how you feel. But that's just how you feel. And it'll be in those moments 
when you offer a sacrifice of praise. It'll take some work on your part. It'll be, some, it'll be effort on your part. You will choose to love God. You will choose to praise Him. You will choose to honor Him when you don't feel like it. That's the difference. Because again, love's a choice, right? Do you think, based on some of the things we have done, that God always feels love for us? He probably feels disappointed at times, right? Exactly. He feels disappointed, but He chooses to love us. That's what the whole thing, that's why Jesus came, that's why He did all those things. That was God's choice. I don't think Jesus was feeling love when He went to the cross. But He made that choice and He made it before He ever got there and He followed it through. Again, our worship isn't based on our circumstances. It should be based on who He is, on His character. Not our circumstances, but His character. If you only worship God when your circumstances are like you want them to be, it's going to be kind of sporadic in your life, and you'll probably go long periods of time when you really don't worship, if it's only based on your circumstances. But if you can offer a sacrifice of praise, if you can worship Him, even when your circumstances don't match, that's based on who He is. He's worthy of our worship, whether our circumstances are good or they're not. All right, let me do one more here. Sometimes, daily even, we lay down our lives as an act of worship. If you really want to get to the, the heart of what worship's about, it's not even when you sing a song, it's not even when you raise your hands, or if you dance, or if you do any of those things, it will be the way you live your life. And the scripture I want to give you is the same one that Justin read to start this service. It's Romans 12. Just listen to it again. I'm urging you, my brothers, my sisters, my faith family, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you want to know what worship is at the very core, it is to offer yourself, to offer your life to Him. Everything, every part, not just what I do on Sunday morning or what I do on Wednesday night or what I do when I happen to be reading the Bible. It's every single moment, every single day. Your body belongs to God, right? He made it. He gave it to you. Your body belongs to Him. There is no you outside of your body. And so when Paul says, offer yourselves, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, he's saying, offer all of yourself, everything that you are, offer it all to God and to do so daily. That's what worship is all about. So here's what I want to do. My challenge to you today, just thinking through all of these things, is simply this. Will you worship Him? Will you worship Him? And that means all of you. That means all parts of you. Give yourself to Him. When people try to ask me to explain salvation, that's how I do it. And in its simplest form, salvation is I gave myself to Christ. I gave my life to Him. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Him. But, but did you pray certain words? Well, sort of. But the words I prayed may not be the words you prayed. It's still this. I gave myself to Him. I gave Him my life. That's salvation. And that's what worship looks like. So you could be here today and you've never done that. And you can do it right now. I mean, it's in your mind. It's in your heart. You're the only one who can do it. You can give yourself to Christ. You, you, you can't, I can't do it for you. No one in the room can do it for you. You have to do it. And you can do it right now. 
In just a moment, we're all going to stand, and I'm going to lead in a prayer. Uh, Shirley's going to come. She's just going to play something soft on the keyboard. And I want you to have a few moments to talk to God. And if you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time, just do it. Just, just in your own way, just talk to Him. I promise you, He will hear. Just do that. And if you, you're off the mark, you say, well, I know I belong to Him. I'm just kind of off the mark on worship. And you need to change some things today. Well, just go ahead and change some things today. Tell Him you're sorry. Tell Him you want to you make this right. Tell Him you want worship to be something you do every single day just the way it, 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 it's spoken of in the Bible. Just tell Him. This is your time. Let's stand together and pray. Father in heaven, thank You for Your grace and mercy to all of us. And thank You for Your Word. And thank You for the things that were taught in it. And Jesus tried his best with the Pharisees to help them see that it's not the outward stuff, but it's what's in the heart that makes all the difference. And that's my prayer today for myself and for everyone in this room. God, that our hearts would be hearts of worship. That inwardly we would be turned toward you. And we would offer you everything that we are in an act of worship. God, if there's someone here today, and today is the day that, that they first believe, then God bless them in that way. And for your children here today that might need to get some things straightened out with worship and looking to you, Lord, help them in this moment. Let us make these things right. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.